Welcome back to this episode of the Your Daily Pass podcast. You're here with your co-hosts, Fiona Daly and Courtney Passfield. We are bringing back another beautiful, raw and authentic, unedited conversation for you guys to listen to. So enjoy. Hey, it's Vanessa and we're going to have a great conversation today. We're going to be talking about ADHD, finding your purpose and how it's not the end of the road when you get diagnosed with ADHD. So tune in for more. Okay, Courtney, this one's really good. Yes. So, 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 so good. So another I conversation with. It is another conversation with and I feel like it's something that, I don't know, People don't know lots about, but I don't know if it's because they're too scared to ask or don't want to offend somebody, but we're learning about ADHD and so much about that. Mm, that yes. I mean, I've already learned heaps. And I think it's one of those things, like we always talk about um, how, you know, when we're communicating and how much like that education really just helps everyone involved and it really creates that understanding yeah. And just knowledge that you go, okay, cool. How can how can we help support you through something? You know, yeah. and I think that's what's really beautiful about someone coming well, we on all being all so want open. To be able to communicate and connect nicely. Yeah, God, yeah. You know, and yeah. that's pretty much, that's just life in a nutshell really, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, so sure is. we are super, super, super lucky that Vanessa Gower has joined us all the way from Mauritius. <laughs> and it is super early in the morning compared mm-hmm. to where we are. Mm-hmm. And we're just super, super grateful to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to be on here. <laughs> oh, we're so excited to have you here. So, Vanessa, we love to we love to get to know our guests and for our listeners to get to know our guests as well. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, because you've also had quite a life too. So I'd love to I'd love for you to share that with us. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, You know, it's funny. I've been on like about six podcasts and I'm still not used to, you know, like condensing my life in like snippets. (laughs) um, Okay, but basically I was like uh, very nomadic as a kid. I went to 11 schools before I was 21. So I jumped from one school to the next and it was like this routine where I never used to know a lot of people. Like I would be in school for a year and then next year I'll leave and it became this, like, I couldn't really fit in because I wasn't there for long enough to actually make friends or understand the culture of the school. And I think as a kid, I always felt like an outsider because I wasn't good at anything, you know. I was like one of those late boomers. Perfect example. Um, you know how, like, the, you have kids who know who they are. Like, they know they're autistic. They know that they are creative. They know that they are, you know, into sports or academics. But I wasn't that kid. Like, I tried everything because I grew up in a family of go-getters. My parents and my siblings were, you know, they encompassed everything. They were athletic. They were creative. They were smart. And I was just there like a rock, you know. And it was difficult freaking out my life because I'm like, oh, wait, you know, what can I do? Like, maybe I can try, you know, art. I tried art. I was terrible at it. I was like, maybe I can try sport. I have no balance at all. So <laughs> that did not go well at all. You know, swimming, I, I tried every single thing. And because I wasn't long enough at the school, I didn't really get time to figure things out. So even in school, I struggled for the longest time. Like I was that kid that thought I wasn't going to even graduate from high school because I was so terrible when it came to education. And, you know, eventually I went 
high school. I graduated, which was a miracle, if I'm being honest. And, you know, I went overseas to Asia. I spent two years in Asia. And, you know, it was easier there, surprisingly, but my ADHD became worse. I didn't know at that time, by the way, I had ADHD, but I was missing class. I was always sick. I was always, you know, like walking through like some misty fog, you know, like that's how my life was. And, you know, even making friends was difficult because I tried everything to fit in. So after the second year of university, I found out I had ADHD. And I was like, you know, you know, cows while moving and, you know, bells ringing like, it was like I had that eureka moment of like, wow, this explains why I struggled for so long. But, you know, sometimes when you figure something out, it makes things even harder because I was like, OK, I've got this thing. What do I do with it now? So now all the insecurities, the rejection that I've been feeling my whole life, it sort of like came all onto the surface. So it was like drowning me because now, even though I know that I have it, it made it worse because I'm like, OK, this explains why. It was a struggle making friends. It explains why it was a struggle going to school and doing all these things. So there came a point where I had to realize, okay, I've got ADHD. What am I going to do with it now? Because a lot of people who have ADHD, you know, they're not, there's, a, there's resources, but they're also not a lot of resources. And, you know, that's the problem because I did not know where to start from. You know, I was 23. I wasn't a kid. I could, you know, I, I didn't even like the concept of going on medication because, you know, I hated, you know, being subdued to my whole life, just popping pills, you know, like I was, you know, a, like one of those people in an old age. And I was like, wait, I'm 23 years old. I don't want my whole life to be that thing where I have to take pills to make myself feel better. So I started doing research and it took me on this incredible journey of self-discovery and healing. And, you know, when I was 26, you know, I was like, okay you know, maybe I'm going to go and take painkillers, like take pills, resin, whatever I could get to feel better, but I didn't feel better. So that was when I had to, you know, really dig deep and find out what was going on within me. And that led me to working on myself in personal development, which was something I used to think was for quacks, if I'm being honest with you, you know, but, you know, it works, you know, you can't go forward in life if you don't fix whatever's in you so that is sort of like a condensed overview of my life yeah mm, that's incredible it must have been just so frustrating for you though to be like s- switching schools and you haven't had that chance to try and work out who you are and make some friends because it's just constantly changing like that I can see why yeah. you know when you turn 23 and you're like I have ADHD and it's like right so this is why it's just not working for me the same as it did for my siblings. Yeah. And you know, the thing is like, uh, it was frustrating, but a lot of the times I switched schools because, you know, I would have a one person at that school and when they would leave, I would be like, I've got no one. Like my sister and me went to the same primary school. And when we were in the same primary school, I felt protected. I felt like I was in this bubble. But when she left, you know, I was like, I can't stay because I was alone. I have no friends. So I went to another school when I met someone who was an incredible human being. And when she left, I was like, I'm going to follow her because I felt that she was my lifeline. You know, so it was one of those things. And, you know, when you start on this routine of going from one place to the next when you're young, it becomes part of you. I didn't realize at that time that I was 
you know, creating a habit of, you know, um, moving from one place to the next when I didn't feel like this place really did well for me, you know. So whenever something bad would happen, I'm like, okay, I'm going to move. Like I had a friend who passed away when I was 17. And I couldn't go back to that high school because it was so traumatic for me. I was like, wait, you're not going to go to another high school. So it just became this thing where when something just didn't add up, I'm like, okay, it's time for me to leave. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, gosh, yeah. yeah. It's such an interesting story. You talk about um, in our in your sort of notes to us about um, about hitting rock bottom. Can you share your journey with that? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, okay, so I was a bit of a people pleaser. So when I was in university, because it was such a hard time making friends, there were these girls who wanted to, for us to live together because they, you know, someone dropped out last minute, you know, and they wanted to have someone else live in the apartment because they couldn't pay the bills. And I wanted so much to make them happy and even though a part of me knew it was a bad idea because our personalities didn't really gel well, I still went. And it became a very abusive and toxic environment because, like, they would say things to me. And listen, I we were 21 year, you know, 21 year olds, and when you're that age, you're still very much a kid. But you know, I was in this place where they would say all these things that I felt bad about myself. Like they'll say I was a terrible person. They would say all these bad things and. I got sick, like um, really, really sick, because one of the things I didn't realize with ADHD is you forget to eat. So there was a day I forgot to eat, and that year I was very sick. So I forgot to eat, and I didn't realize why I was feeling a little sick, and then I took painkillers, and you know, and then I was like, wait a minute, I forgot to eat, and it became this thing where I was just having this reaction, and then I had an asthma attack. So it culminated to all these bad things, and... I was on the floor for 30 minutes um, having an asthma attack. And the girls come out and look at me like I am pretending that I'm sick. So they eventually take me to the hospital. The doctor says that I overdosed, which I really didn't. I just took about three painkillers. But because I hadn't eaten, it felt like I had overdosed. But while I was in the clinic, because the doctor was like, oh, take her to the clinic. So while I was in the clinic, the girl said, you're making the other girls sick. You see? How can you do that? Like, she wasn't sick, but she didn't like being in the hospital. So it made me feel like I was an awful, terrible human being. And, you know, for the longest time, I was borderline suicidal. So there came a moment I was in my room. I was like, oh, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible human being. I am the filth of this earth. And I almost killed myself. And, you know, it was this weird moment because I always thought about it. But... When I had the painkillers in my hand that I'd been given from the clinic, I almost did it, you know, and, I, I, you know, for me, it was such a big thing that I was like, you know, I'm going to talk to my sister. So I called her and I spoke to her and I even asked her, I was like, am I a bad person? And she was like, no. And I started bawling out. I started crying. I'm like, no, I'm a terrible human being because I'd felt like this my whole life because I felt like I was a huge disappointment you know, with my friends and my family, and I just wanted to end it. And, you know, she managed to calm me down. And, but, you know, even though the conversation had ended, you know, that was when I hit rock bottom because I'd been living with these girls for six months. And by that time, they had eroded my personality 
to such a point that I did not know who I was anymore. You know, I did not know what I wanted out of life. I did not know where I was going. And I just felt lost. And I had to come to a point where I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, I, you know, there was days when they would go out and I would just stay in my room and I would only come out to eat junk food and then go back in and then just lie on my bed and watch TV. And this was like for quite some time until I went back home um, and I had to actually figure things out, you know, because I, I was meant to go back to school, but for that whole year, I couldn't go because we didn't have enough money. And I wanted to go to Switzerland for about six months. So for the whole year, we, I stayed at home. And then I just had to figure out my life. So, yeah, I mean, it was a rough period. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible, Vanessa. I can't believe that, you know, it just goes to show you the power of words, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. power of, and especially, obviously, a group and against one person almost, is just like the power of the words from that whole group completely changed your whole beliefs about yourself. Yeah, it definitely did, you know, and, you know, I I felt like I wasn't, you know, I didn't know why I was there anymore because, you know, I I was studying um, hospitality and tourism. So I didn't work as much as the other girl did, you know, studying because, you know, with ADHD, you can't really cram things, you know, and, you know, even though I didn't know I had it then, I knew what worked for me. But even that made me feel like I was worthless because you'd be like, you see, you're not studying as hard as the other girl who's doing the same thing. I was like, but that's not how I work and how I function. And, you know, I I didn't realize that it was a very toxic environment because I was like, okay, maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe I need to do more. Maybe I need to try more. But the more I tried, the more it became worse. Mm. So I think that was also a combination of why I decided to end my life because I was like, okay, you know, nothing I'm trying is good enough. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. That was beautiful. And I could imagine that, you know, you, you've said it so well, but I just I just really want to acknowledge that you've shared that and that wouldn't have been easy. And, you know, it's through your hard times that that's why you choose to do this, to, to help people because that is what you've created since is to, to work on how to help people and, and, and you know, I don't want to say moving forward like it, but and to help them move forward, yeah. And I think that's just so beautiful that out of your darkest times, you've you've thought about others into how I can help them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you know with what I went through, I became a point when I twenty seventeen when I was like, you know, there has to be something out of it. Like I went through a lot of um, stormy situations, like what was the point of going through that if I don't help someone else go through their stormy situation? So, yeah. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So is that when you wrote your first book? Yeah, I wrote my first book. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of incredible that, you know, even though, like, I, got, I went on this online um, journey of trying to figure out, like, how to start a business online, it was through writing the book that I truly – found like what I wanted to do with my life because before that you know I didn't have an idea I was like like a duck trying to you know paddle my way (laughs) you know so you know it was it was after writing I was like wait a minute I could help people find their purpose and their passion because you know I found it through a lot of ways like I found it when I was 13 when I went to boarding school so it took me a while for me to like okay this is what I really want to do because 
even though that was my first nonfiction book, it wasn't my first book. Like I wrote my first book when I was 13, wow. you know, but you know, when I would tell people, they would be like, oh yeah, you just probably, you just probably took a book and you wrote, you know, the story down and, and, and you're pretending that it's your own work. So I, I guess I had a lot of insecurity then, but the nonfiction book really gave me the confidence to become a full-time author. That is so cool. I'm going to just step us a little bit to the side, Vanessa. I would love to hear about your ADHD. And I guess with ADHD, I think we should start off with what exactly is that? Okay. Um, it depends who you ask. Some people say it's a disorder. Some people say it's a disability. Some people say it's, uh, you know, maybe a mental capacity, like a mental cap. Um, so it depends who you ask. But anyway, it stands for attention, hyper. Sometimes I forget the actual the, the lingo, but yeah. But um, it basically is when you have a, a attention disorder. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, ADHD looks different for everyone else. You know, like for I was very hyper as a kid, um, which is how it looks like in boys. You've got the active side. Now as an adult, I'm more inactive. But when I was a little kid, I was hyper. I was jumping on chairs and stools and climbing on walls. You know, like I was just so energetic. Now I've got more of them inactive. But inactive doesn't necessarily mean it's inactive. It just means that your brain is very fast. Like even though you are not as energetic as other people, your brain is is extremely fast. So what normally happens is, you know, when we let's say we're having a conversation about anything, you're talking about maybe your dog is sick. And I'm like, I'm thinking four or five steps ahead. I'm like, oh, wait, it could be A, B, C, D. Maybe your dog has this problem. Maybe your dog has that problem. You know, that's sort of like, how my brain works, or it's a situation where my brain is always running. So even if I'm watching a movie and they're talking about something that appeared off screen, I'm imagining what they what they're talking about, even if they're not showing. You know, so that's sort of like how you know in ADHD brains, but there's also a lot of other factors. You get brain fog. Like the reason why I wake up super early sometimes is if I wake up like let's say normal times, like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., I get a brain fog where my brain doesn't function properly. Like I'll feel sick. I can't oversleep because I feel sick as well. But these are, you know, it depends with the person because symptoms differ from person to person. So there are a lot of things that, you know, some person might be like, okay, I am multi-passionate and other people are more obsessed, you know, like, with ADHD, you can zero into something and concentrate to such a capacity where you can focus on one thing for seven hours and not even blink. I'll, I'll give an example. Um, I was doing an accounting paper when I was in university, and I woke up at 3 a.m., and it was 5 p.m., and I realized I had needed. I had worked from 3 a.m. to 5 p.m. on this one thing, and I had not stopped, not even to take a break. So that is sometimes how it works. So it kind of depends. Like if you really want to concentrate and finish something, you can do that. I don't do that anymore because it is very taxing. <laughs> so sometimes I break up. Like I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this for an hour and then I'll, I'll have a break. But that's also how ADHD works. Um, sometimes I think of other stuff. 
that comes with ADHD. Uh, ADHD people are also very passionate. You know, we love music. We love, you know, art. We love doing all these things. So we are, it's, it's very similar in a lot of ways to autism. But it's, you know, you're more, I'll say that you don't deal with the same things as autism, but you can be very passionate about things that you love and you can be really good at it. So I don't know. I mean, I hope I managed to paint a, like a, a picture. You are, you are. It's very interesting. And I think, you know, in a world where we just do need more education and more understanding, the more somebody talks about it, the more that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I mean, I think the thing is there is a taboo when it comes to ADHD and dyslexia because a lot of people look at it as more of a, a disorder. And a lot of people who've got ADHD don't like that word because it's not really a disorder. It just means that they call it, I forgot what they call it, but basically our brains just don't function the same way as a normal person. Like a normal person will think, okay, you know, I need to pack, you know, my clothes away. You know, they call it executive executive functions. So your executive function when you've got ADHD just does not function as well as a person who doesn't. So that basically means that the signals that go into your brain when you don't have ADHD run smoothly when you compare to someone who's got ADHD. So, okay, let me, let's say you're walking in town and you hear a baby crying and then you hear, you know, someone, you know, pressing onto the car, you know, the hoot, right? The car hoot. Or you hear someone yelling. Now, for an ADHD person, that feels like chaos. So sometimes your brain can literally be screaming out in pain because there's too much going on. So we do have a problem with sensory overload, bright lights, bright colors, loud noises. Like I can't go to the club because I get a headache. Like just being there and listening to the music just gives me a headache. Like it's just too much going on. So yeah, I mean, and a lot of people don't talk about it because how do you exactly talk to a person with ADHD? Because you're like, okay, maybe I don't want to offend them. Maybe I don't want to get something wrong. Maybe I don't want to um, treat them differently. But the reality is sometimes you end up doing that. By not talking about it, you end up treating a person differently. Because just because you have it doesn't mean that. I always use this thing that just because someone has ADHD doesn't mean they're an alien. They're still human beings. <laughs> you know, they still function the same way. It's just, it's just their brain is different, you know. We don't have a disorder, you know, we're not in a wheelchair, we're not incapable of doing things, we just do things differently. Yeah, that's exactly exactly right. There's nothing wrong with anybody doing anything differently. No, gosh, no. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm so glad that you talk about it, Vanessa, because it seems like, like you said, people treat you differently and they don't even realise if they haven't asked the questions. Have you yeah. have you always been really open about it? Like once you learnt that this is this is how your brain works and this is why it's just taking it's just that little bit different. Have you always been like, let me tell you about how I work as a person in in all your I guess in all your situations, or have you kind of it's taken a little while to be like, okay, I'm comfortable in me, I'm gonna share. You know what? I when I found out ADHD, I didn't want to tell anyone because I felt like I was such a freak. You know, um, I felt like you know the almost as if I had a neon sign like, "Look at this person walking around." You know, 
you know that that's how I felt so it took a while for me to get comfortable enough and then eventually I figured out and I was like you know what this is where I am like when I became comfortable realizing that okay wait I can't do a nine-to-five job because I get bored easily I can't do ABC because this is not how my brain works I you know I can't focus on one thing like I need to have numerous passions because that's just who I am like once I got comfortable with who I was as a person it became easy to talk about because eventually I stopped pretending that I you know I can't be anyone else but me right you know even if I try (laughs) so once I said okay this is me I got to take me for who I am. That's when I became comfortable. And I started talking more about it, you know, when I wrote my book. And it took me a while. Like, I was like, you know, I got to just get out there and deal with it. And, you know, this is what it is. So when I wrote it, it became, you know, therapeutic. And eventually it became this thing where I was more comfortable talking about it and being honest with people. But it's not easy saying to someone you've got, you know, you've got this thing because people are like, okay, what's that? <laughs> you know. But yeah, the more you talk about it, the easier it becomes. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like your book was just such a really great, I don't know, like a a great moment for you to be able to go, right, it is time. I'm gonna talk about it and I'm gonna use my book as that sort of little bit of a segue to just make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's interesting. When I was writing my book, I was like, how do I even write this book? Because, you know, writing a nonfiction book is very different from writing a thing about aliens and space humans and people, you know, like like that's those are the kind of stories I used to write when I was a kid. And I was like, okay, how do I write a nonfiction book? And I read nonfiction books. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, authentic as possible, I have to write about it because... I can't write my story and not include it because ADHD is who I am. Like, it's very much part of me. I, you know, I, it's like a limb, you know, I can't cut it off because my personality is ingrained within my ADHD. So, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be authentic and as real as possible, I have to write about it. So, yeah, I mean, it became this this thing where it was a segue where I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about my life's journey. I'm going to talk about how I dealt with A, B, C, and D. And, you know, one thing I also say that's interesting is, you know, when you tell someone you've got ADHD and you dealt with it without the medication, I feel like that's more of, you know, an inspirational story because they're people who struggle with ADHD to this day. Like, they've got severe ADHD where, you know, they are getting fired from their jobs. They are, you know, missing appointments and meetings. They don't have relationships they become so isolated you know because they feel so alone and then i'm like okay i've got adhd you know and i can have conversations it's, it's not easy sometimes i do have social anxiety like i'm like oh my gosh there are too many people <laughs> but you know i've had to deal with that through the years by doing certain things that were bold moments like i went i used to have massive stage fright i still have a bit of it but i went on public speaking i did debate i sang on stage now, those were terrifying things for me. But after I did it, I was like, okay, I can breathe. <laughs> you know, I can breathe. The stage is no longer like this sea monster that's waiting to gobble me up. So, yeah, I mean, I think for me, I realized in that moment that I had to talk about it because the more I spoke about it, the more I wrote about it, the less terrified I was that that was who I was. Yes, mm. that's 
That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's really beautiful. Yes. And and how did you go writing the book, Vanessa? Like, I know you were saying like when you were studying, you'd sort of like work for an hour and then take a break. Did you feel like you kind of had put a an expectation of how much time it would take to write it? Or were you kind of like, this needs to be open-ended because I need to take breaks when I know I need to take breaks? Um, You know, it's interesting. When it comes to writing, writing is probably the most uh, invigorating thing. I can write for two hours and not take a break if I'm really inspired. You know, like if I'm really inspired, that's, you know. So when I was writing this book, I would take, I would write for two hours and then I'll take another break and then I'll write for two hours because I didn't want my brain to crash. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can write, I can write, write. But I was like, if I keep pushing myself, I'm going to get really, you know, I'm going to have a brain fog because that's the thing that sometimes happens when you've got ADHD, you push yourself too much and then you're sick for the whole day. Like you can't think, you can't function, you're lying on the bed. It's like, oh, just, you know, I just want to lie here forever. So yeah, I, I did take breaks, but sometimes I wouldn't, I would write for three hours and then take a break. So I guess it depended on how inspired I was and where I wanted the story to go. Like, I, I won't lie to you. It's not like I had, like, an outline of, okay, this is what I want to write. All I had were chapter headlines, and that was it. And I would look at the chapter headline, okay, what can I write with this? And I was like, okay, I'm just going to write. So I just let the inspiration flow and just, you know, just ran its course. Yeah. Wow. So what would you say to somebody who is struggling with, the diagnosis or with ADHD, like what, what sort of words of wisdom do you, do you give them? Um, I think the best thing is you got to accept that you've got it mm-hmm. because you can't have healing or growth if you don't accept it. For the longest time, I would deny it. I took like, when I found out, I took about 10 tests. Just be like, oh, no, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. And all the results are like, you've got eight out of ten symptoms. <laughs> like, oh, my word. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I struggled for some time. And I think that's why it took so long for me to handle it because I'd be like, no, I don't have it. You know, it's probably just, you know, what it is. And and a lot of people, you know, there's this thing that that's in the online community when it comes to ADHD that when you're an adult, you grow out of it. Some people do grow out of it. But a lot of them don't. So there are people thinking that they don't have ADHD because they're now an adult, but they still do. And the reason why they're struggling with relationships or getting work done is because they haven't dealt with it. So when you deal with it, you can then find solutions for your your problems. Like for me, one of the things was I used to feel crappy the whole day. Like I, I had no energy at all. I I felt like, you know, a train had run over me. And when I changed my sleeping habits, that shifted because a lot of the thing with ADHD is, you know, you got to have good routine and good habits. But if you have bad routine and bad habits, your ADHD becomes worse. So when I fixed my sleeping routine, I slept less. You know, I, I slept earlier. I woke up earlier. It was easier for me to be productive and get the day going because I had a good system. But let's say if I hadn't accepted it, I wouldn't have found a solution. And I wouldn't have been productive and I wouldn't have gotten things, you know, um, ready to go. So I think that's the major thing I would say. Like the thing that was a turning point for me is you just got to accept it. You got to accept all the stuff that comes with it and then you can find a solution to deal with it. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. 
That is so true. That is absolutely beautiful. You share your story so well and it's so nice to have somebody that wants to, and I know I've just said this, but I, I just feel that it's so lovely to have somebody that really wants to share their story because you are helping so many other people you know, the population yeah. understanding and then also the population who are going through the same thing as you. And I just think sharing your story is just absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. And, you know, the thing is, you know, um, sometimes when you get a diagnosis like that, it feels like it's the end of the road. Like you feel like you can't actually make it because if you look at so many articles, a lot of people are like, oh, my ADHD hurt me, my ADHD caused me a failed marriage and it's all this negative lingo you know and my thing is like yeah you've got ADHD but that does not mean it's the end of the road it doesn't mean that you can't do something incredible with your life you can't inspire people you can't achieve things and you know one of the things that helped me is I started doing like um a search of all the successful like some of the successful people who've got ADHD and one of them is Ryan Gosling and another one is Will I Am. And that actually also convinced me not to take medication because they don't. I'm like, look at these incredible people who have it and yet they aren't defined by it. Because that's the thing though. Even though ADHD is part of you, it doesn't define you. Yeah. It doesn't stop you from achieving things. It's just you know, it's just a part of you, but you have to find a way to make ADHD work for you because once you do, there's so many incredible things you can do. You know? Yeah, that's so true. I really love that. Yeah. So, Vanessa, where can we find you? Where Socials. do we find your book? Your stories? Where's it all at? Um, okay, so you can find, you know, my website, VanessaGora.com. On social media, it's Vanessa Gora. On um, Facebook, the same thing. And I also got a YouTube channel as well. And you can find that on my website. Oh, so, amazing. And Amazing. All that will be in the show notes. In but the show notes. Vanessa, we've really, really enjoyed chatting to you and getting to know you and learning about ADHD. Yes. Thank you so very much. Oh, thank you. It was an incredible interview. Wow, wasn't that an epic episode? I love these conversations with they just make my day, my week, my all the things. Yeah, Fiona, you're right. It's one of those things that we always feel that what is said is what is needed to be said. So I hope, I really truly hope that you guys have gotten something as we have out of this episode. And let us know. Get in contact with us. We would love to chat to you. Yes. Shoot us a message on our Insta or our Facebook and definitely leave us a review. Definitely. And guys, look, how you share the love is by actually sharing the love. So make sure you share it with your friends. Let people know because that's what keeps us doing what we're doing. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.